Ah, a student of midnight then. What? Midnight. Not twelve of the clock, but midnight. When twilight and dawn are evenly balanced, one no stronger than the other, each pulling against each other in the opposite direction, so that the very fabric of the night could be torn apart. Midnight. When the monsters come out. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways, I am Paul. And hey there, our fellow monsters. I'm Terry. Sneeze. All right. Uh, so yes, welcome. Uh, welcome to Strange Highways. Welcome to 2023. Uh, we made it, everybody. I hope everybody had a good holiday. I hope you put out a, um, a saucer of uh, twists for Rod Serling's birthday on December 25th. It was actually just a tray of cigarettes. I shouldn't have said that. That's bad. That's a bad thing to say. But anyway, hope you had a fun and happy Rod Serling day. Uh, and got whatever you're, you were looking for, as long as it wasn't cursed. Uh, and hope you had a good new year. But now we're back. And I was just thinking about this, Terry. Uh, we started off last year with the beginning of season one of the 80s Twilight Zone. And we're now on episode 15. It's been it's been a journey. Yeah, it, quite so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's some ins and outs of, of this part of the series, too. And uh, thank you guys for paying attention to all of it. That's I know it's been a hell of a ride for us, and I'm sure for you. Uh, and thank you, yeah, <laughs> for being. I mean, we, we did take, committed. Yeah, we took a month off uh, for like, well, kind of for Halloween stuff for October. So, for, for the most part, though, it's been it's been about like you know 11 months of just the first season of of the 80s Twilight Zone. And thanks everybody for joining us. This is Strange Highways. It is the anthology podcast, which we do watch the Twilight Zone. We've covered the original series. Uh, and then we covered the Paramount Plus release to two seasons, and now we're slightly past halfway through here with um, with this episode. But I also hope you enjoyed our conversation about uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, The Outside. That was um, that was a nice um, change of pace, and it was it was really something fun to kind of like sink your teeth into. Uh, and you know, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, uh, we've had some uh, positive feedback for that already. Uh, and I, I'm glad that uh, people have already paid attention to it, but we're back on it. Like, here we go. Twilight Zone again. Again. Let's go, Paul. <laughs> yeah. So Mamma Mia. There we go, right? <laughs> yeah, here we go again. So, um, uh, yeah, this is uh, season one, episode uh, 15, segment A, Monsters, with an exclamation point. Um, like I, I can never save the file that way because it won't let me, but I want to, I just want to put an exclamation point on everything now. Like, ah, Monsters, but anyway, uh, air date is January twenty fourth, nineteen eighty six. Number one song that that's what Friends Are For by uh, Dion and Friends. 
that's um i you know i remember the song it's you know it is what it is uh i can understand why it was number one for this time of year not not a big fan um Number one film, The Color Purple, uh, an important movie. There's actually going to be a Color Purple connection at a couple episodes, uh, meaning during this air date of this episode, there's a Color Purple connection, not with this segment. Um, For day and date for January 24th, I I did see here, um, I think this was for the 24th. It was around this time, though, and that's just my favorite thing before we talk about the next full episode. We'll get into something really bad that happens there. But the Voyager 2 space probe makes its first encounter with Uranus. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, that's not what I wanted to bring to this discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know me, and uh, I'm I'm big into rock music, and I'm sure you are as well, Paul, because of all of our uh, intricate discussions offside of this podcast. But um, January 23rd was the inaugural class. Inaugural, yeah, that I, that's a tongue twister. Inaugural class of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, inductees was Chuck Berry, James Brown, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, uh, and the Everly Brothers, amongst uh, uh, so many others. I mean, uh, shit, like, I mean, like, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. I mean. Yeah. Well, because it was the first one, right? So they wanted to get a lot of people in there. So, because I know that was the whole plan, right? To work towards building an actual rock hall. Right. And so, little Richard. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So. A lot of those names you said, perfectly upright citizens, no problems there. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, you know, rock and roll is, a, is such a thing that has so many caveats to like, um, who they are and what they did, but mm-hmm. here we are. Right? Well, like, we go. They were part of rock and roll history. So. All right. Well, that's a, that's a good thing to bring up in terms of like, I, you know, I versus me making jokes about uh space stuff again. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that's our, that's our day and date. So uh, let's just get into it. Let's get into season one, episode uh, 15 segment, a monsters. I always want to say that with emph- emphasis, right? Um, so who did what here? So our director on this one is Bill Norton. Uh, we had talked about him during uh teacher's aid. I don't know how much more you want to dive into his career because we kind of recently talked about it. Yeah. Did you want to bring anything to the discussion there? No, just um, like this is the second of two segments that he will be directing for the series. I uh, go back and listen to our discussion about teacher's aid for our, our Bill Norton talk. Yeah. So uh, next here we have a writer as uh, Robert Karras. Cra- uh, yeah. Craze. It's C R A I S. Right. Is that? It's, yeah. yeah. It's an odd, it's an odd name. Yeah. The craze, uh, some episodes of uh, quickly, uh, Quigley, uh, Emmy, and then um, Hill Street Blues. So yeah, so he did a, some writing in like um, the seventies, and did like some t- television work, like you mentioned, right? Um, and then what happened is, and he wrote you know the screenplay for this, but in eighty five he published his first detective novel. Uh, it was around the, like following the death of his father. I don't know why that was mentioned that way on Wikipedia, but maybe that one influenced the, the other, um, meaning influenced the book, not that the book influenced his father's death. That'd be weird. Anyway, um, after that, he ended up becoming like a, um, like a hardball detective, like, um, fiction writer and, and has written like a, like a number of books and has had like very much success even through like right now. Um, so yeah, it was interesting that he started off as writing, like screenplay stuff and then just like pivoted into just writing detective fiction and just publishing books. Yeah. So, and then we'll go into our cast here and, uh, 
Uh, I, I'm going to have a little trouble here with the the pronunciation <laughs> of the main character, but uh, Ralph Bemily. Uh, uh, Bellamy. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Good luck with this name, though. His his character's name. Go go for it. Is it Emily Francis Benerson? <laughs> I, you know what? I like that. I like that name better. No, it's uh, I think it's Emil Francis Bendixson. Could they come up with a more complicated name for a character? You, you yeah, know, you're writing yeah. a story. You can come up with any name. It's fine. You're allowed yeah, to. I, and, and this kind of goes along with everything that uh, you've been listening to thus far. If you've been a long term listener, Terry doesn't know how to pronounce names. So, so it's always <laughs> great when I'm off. like, hey, Terry, give us the cast names and crew names. You're like, OK. So, yeah, that's that's, you know, <laughs> I tried my damnedest here. Um, but yeah, so we would know this actor from such roles as uh, you know, Rosemary's Baby. And uh, he was also in uh, Pretty Woman. And he was also in, most notably for what I would remember, he was one of the uh, the brothers in Trading Places that makes a bet. Yeah, uh, a film I have never seen. Uh, I know that's a big holiday oh film for God. a lot. Of, I know, I know, hey, I know, I know, right? So this uh, is one of the uh, the films that we watch every year around this time. Just kind of like, I mean, like people have their Christmas films. This is a New Year's film, so. No, and it, it seems like you are aligned with a lot of people in that regard. I just, I just haven't seen it. But yeah, um, so Ralph Bellamy, uh, he ran away from home when he was 15 and managed to gain employment at a road show, toured with the road shows before finally ending in New York City, began acting and stage there, um, stage acting there. And then um, by 1927, he owned his own theater company. 31, he made his film debut, worked constantly throughout the decade, both as a lead and as a capable supporting actor. He co-starred in five films with uh, Faye Ray. Um, so think about that connection through, like we're talking about this in the eighties twilight zone. And this is someone that worked with somebody that was in the original King Kong, right? That's cool. Um, he, uh, was nominated for an Academy award in 37. You mentioned, let's see here. Uh, he was in, uh, the Wolfman, uh, ghost of Frankenstein. Um, yeah, this guy is like a, a long, a long, long career. Yeah, definitely has uh, the chops. Uh, it, you know, the, the horror film connection is really prevalent, obviously, from what you just said. Mm-hmm. But, like, he has comedy rooted in everything that he has, has put towards screen, too. I mean, like, Trading Places, he's hilarious in it. You know, in a small amount, of it, he's in that film, but it's like, he's really, really funny in it. But, uh, so, next here we go into uh, Oliver Robbins. Uh, he plays Toby Michaels, Vic Michaels, I think it is. I think it's Michaels, Michaels. just Michaels, yeah. Yeah, Michaels. Um, play, uh, he was in uh, Airplane 2 and Poltergeist 1 and 2. I think that was probably the thing that I knew this child from more than anything else. Yeah, uh, he didn't do much after that. And like in since the whole the tabloid uh, curiosity about a lot of the troubles that happened to the a lot of people associated with the Poltergeist films. Like it just, he kind of just backed away from Hollywood and that kind of like spotlight. And I don't, blame yeah, him. fair enough. And then yeah. like, there was a lot of clouded, uh, like what happened. And I mean, there were, this was something that was actually recently discussed in, uh, a documentary series, uh, the cursed films series. Yeah, I, I know Shudder did that. And I just, you know, he was one of the few of the children actors that got out, like meaning lived without like any, you know, like early death or complications or problems or whatever. And it's like people always talk about these like films being cursed. It's like, 
you know, for anything, I'm going to guess that does better for business whenever, you know, like things become taboo and you want to, you want to see what the big deal is. But a lot of people, this, this involves real tragedy. So that's, you know, that's frustrating. Yeah, very much so. But so next into our next actor, actress, I guess, as a, uh, uh, Kathleen Lloyd, she plays Toby's mom and she was in the craft. So kind of keeping the connection here with horror. Uh, she was also in the car and a bunch of Magnum PI episodes as well. Yeah. And then, uh, 1978, uh, it lives again. So, uh, yeah, the horror cred, like you said. Yeah. And that kind of continues on here, especially for horror. Um, Bruce Solomon, he plays Toby's dad. Children shouldn't play with dead things, which is a really silly uh, zombie film. And an incredible zombie film that he was also in. He was in Night of the Creeps, which if if you have not seen that, people, check it out. Like, it's an awesome film. I have seen that one. So, like... Don't, a lot of fun. Yeah, like, don't don't come don't come at me, Terry. Like, you're going to stop recording, and then I'll just hear a knock on my door, and then you'll like punch me, and then drive back, and then get back on the recording. Um, I honestly yeah. would have been pissed if you had not seen this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, like 2023, that's the year our friendship ends. You know, no, none of the creeps is fun. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned children 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 shouldn't play with dead things. Uh, Bob Clark, yep. uh, you know, director of uh, Christmas Story and Black Christmas. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So next here is uh, Louis uh, Dalper. I think that's how it's yeah, pronounced. Yeah, Dalper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lou Calderon. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Calderon. I just great. Calderon. Yeah, great. Right. Yeah, so he was also in uh, Jingle All the Way. So yeah, great. <laughs> I'm glad we could discuss children or Jingle All the Way. So. Yeah. Well, and, I, I haven't, and children I haven't seen couldn't play with dead things in the same discussion. So yeah, I could. Well, I have not seen uh, Jingle All the Way, Bless. so um, like, <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're okay with that. Um, but yeah, I have a lot of a lot of TV work for him. There's going to be a couple of these people here that is just like a lot of a lot of TV work. Not much jumped out at me. Well, and then uh, next series, uh, Mary Margaret Lewis. She plays Liz. Lots of uh, TV like uh, episodes of uh, X Files and Friends. Uh, Roger Hamilton plays the mower, the mover, the mo- mover, yeah, the mover, movers. Yeah, he was. Uh, here's another horror film connection. Uh, connection. Um, Halloween two and critters. Critters. Uh, critters is life. Critters is life. Uh, uh, Eve Brenner uh, plays neighbor number one. Uh, more one more Twilight Zone episode that we'll talk about in the future. Lots of uh, uh, shows like uh, the League and Modern Family. And then my last uh, credit here that I would want to bring up is uh, Taryn Jenner, uh, Jen, Jenkins? Mm-hmm. Jenkins, yeah. Uh, neighbor number two, five credits. I'm not sure of any of those that would want to be of note otherwise. Yeah, so I have Eve Brenner also was a voice in The Great Mouse Detective. Um, so, I mean, you know, hey, you get a Disney movie, you know, I think that's worth it. So, yeah, that's all I have for my notes. Yeah, that's all I had as well. So I guess we'll kind of dive into the kind of surface level discussion here. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to let you lead this one because this is one I like. I remember this one as a kid. Um, I don't. I did not remember it correctly. Uh, but this is a segment that I got to tell everybody right now. Stop if you've not if you've not watched the segment. You can find it online. Do yourself a favor. Stop listening to us. Go watch it because it goes places that you do not expect at all. 
Uh, and it, this is one of those ones that just, I, this one scared the hell out of me as a kid. I I can understand it. Um, and I think this one, it's interesting in this fact that it's like, um, the creepy neighbor, like if anybody's ever seen Fright Night, Mm -hmm. you might attach yourself a little bit more to this episode, um, or this segment rather, because I mean, again, we're talking about a show that had three segments, um, this this segment is really interesting in the fact that it's like, so you get this idea that the kid knows the neighbor for the longest time, good friends with him, and all of a sudden, that kid disappears. The family disappears. They moved out. So now this weirdo moves in. So, yeah. so the neighbor, the weirdo, is played by Ralph Benamy or Bellamy? Bellamy, Bellamy. Yeah. yeah. So he's the guy who's moving in next door. And the kid, played by Oliver Robbins, is, like, suspicious. Huh, well, who yeah. is this guy? I, but, so did you did you appreciate at the beginning, though, how the, the, the segment just starts off with, like, a various, like, masks and, like, very, like, you know, spooky music and, like, a POV shot. Like, almost like Halloween of, you know, somebody coming in and, like, behind this unsuspecting kid, right? I thought that was a great start to this. Right. Well, yeah. that, that's exactly why I brought up the uh, reference towards Fright Night. Yeah. Because you get this uh, this idea that the kid is uh, somebody who is kind of like an oddball, too. He's really closely related to his dad. And in Fright Night, if anybody knows anything about that, you get the character, the main character, who is he is really attached to horror films and he watches the, the late horror film host constantly so he'll he knows a lot about you know different monsters and he's a little bit more attached to the macabre and that's what we get from our character here in toby and his dad uh, toby and his dad are really connected to horror and it's really interesting in how they kind of like have this banter like they talk about all these different horror films and how the, they kind of one up each other. And it's like when they were like, oh, yeah, you know, this film, these are the actors, and this is the, the year it came out. And then Toby will challenge his father in that moment. It's like, no, it came out in 63, Dad. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, 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 like I, I love that. Like, I love the little banter between Toby and his father. I kept, I kept getting the vibe, like, especially the second time through that maybe his father was purposely saying the wrong year to have his son assert some confidence, you know, like maybe a little bit or his father, I don't know, but it's just like really good relationship between the two. Uh, cause it's the father that goes to pretend to attack his son. And then I, there's also a nice gag where, cause this music's being very dramatic. Then the mom walks in and actually lifts the needle off a record. And the music just stops. I thought that was a funny, a funny bit. Um, but yeah, it's like you, you get like off and running that you, you know, you're, this family's nice and the father son have a nice uh, relationship, but also that his, his son is like, you know, staying indoors and his dad's like, Hey, it's the weekend. Aren't, why aren't you out doing stuff? And he's like, yeah, my best friend moved away. Like why did they move away at the beginning of summer? And his dad's like, well, you know, like he wanted to be like, well, they sold the house, but you know, Hey, there's somebody moved in, go check it out. So that's where we get to him going to go investigate, uh, the moving the movers right which i also like this too because we're seeing everything from uh, toby's perspective as he goes over to the house right like we never see the movers we just see their feet because it's from the bottom from he sees through the bottom of the truck but we hear the conversation though um and uh you get the vibe that they're not feeling well at all 
Yeah, it, it kind of instantly takes place, too, because we get Toby, and he's underneath the moving truck. He doesn't encounter anybody. He doesn't have a conversation with anybody or anything like that. Actually, at this point, too, we don't see any other faces. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that there is a little bit of like information of like who the mover is, but it's like kind of funny, too, because we don't see any of the movers. It's like... <laughs> Oh, I'm glad we have the context of like who the actor is, who are the feet. Um, it's almost like that <laughs> meme of like someone that looks like they're taking a photo of like them in like nice dress pants and shoes. And then like somebody in like um, a pair of like heels and it's just them with heels on their hands and they've bent over. Like they took the photo. So it looks like they're dancing with somebody, but it's from like the, like the waist down. Maybe this got one mover and had them put on shoes as well. So this had one guy, you know, walking around with uh, shoes on hands and feet. I'd probably yeah. not, but that'd be funny. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, 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 it's kind of, it's, it's funny because we don't see any of these other people, but yeah. you know, good for them. They got a credit. Right. Um, but, then, but you hear them talking about like, you know, like, like the one guy's like, Oh, my head's about to explode. And the other guy's like, yeah, I'm not feeling so good as they're moving this stuff. And so Toby's watching all this and there's also music playing as well. There's a little radio that gets turned off, but we see another set of feet and the camera does a good job of like uh, following back and forth as the feet are moving left and right. Toby's moving left and right. So I thought that was a nice little segment. But then whenever he loses the feet, that's whenever uh, he gets a uh, he gets scared. Right. He ends up out from under the truck. And that's when we meet um, our, our uh, gentleman, um, Mr. Uh, oh, uh, Emil, just Emil. I'm going to call him Emil from here on out because the rest of his name is long. Yeah, uh, there's a lot there. Yeah. Uh, so Emil, <laughs> Emil is a. Uh, obviously like dealt with this before he's an older gentleman and he's like you know what let me talk to this kid at a level that i can like make him comfortable and let him know like you don't have to be afraid i know you're very curious and maybe you had a friend who was living here for the longest time again it's his next door neighbor they're not there anymore the comfort level changes dramatically Mm -hmm. so he tries to tell him like hey don't worry about it I'm not, I'm not the weirdo that you think I'm in. Uh, I am, but am I, you know? Like, well, yeah, cause like, I mean, he called, he calls him out. Right. Cause at first also we got to notice, we got to note that Toby does sneeze also when he was near him. And then whenever he, and Toby's like, you're trying to scare me. He's like, yeah, I meant to scare you. He's like, there's like kids under trucks. It's a problem. Like you don't want to get hurt. And he pulls uh Toby's like monster magazine and starts talking about stuff. I like that. Uh, like, I like that Emil's kind of like this, this junk, is this what you're reading? You know, this whole thing. And he's like, oh, you're a student of the midnight. And he explains the whole thing about midnight. And we heard that at the beginning of the episode. Uh, but he's like, you like monsters? You know, and, and, you know, Emil's like, well, look at me, boy. I'm a monster. I'm a vampire. And See, again, yeah. like, this feeds totally into Fright Night. Mm-hmm. Again, if anybody's ever seen that film, you will feel a lot more comfortable in like where this storyline is going. Yeah, and that's I fair. Think, I, I think that the comfort level that because I, I there's the difference because uh we we get the neighbor kind of like approaching the kid who is scared who is curious and he says don't worry about it i'm the good guy with fright night is drastically different so you'll know that if you know that film but i, I like um, emil's uh, approach to this and like trying to make the kid a little bit more like uh comfortable in the idea it's like i yeah, I am the weirdo. I am the I am the monster, but 
find out who I am as a monster too. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause like Toby's all like, well, you can't be a vampire cause you're out in the sunlight and all this other stuff. And basically Emil's like, you, you know, like if you're bringing information from this crap or whatever. And so at that point uh, we cut to him, uh, we get Toby at home, like talking to his mom and he's like, but mom, I was like, I was scared and whatever. He's, he said, boo to me. <laughs> I was like, what? And the mom's like, uh, like she's basically laughing at him. And uh, the dad's kind of laughing too, but they're like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe he means well, whatever. But then we find out that um, he, Toby starts sneezing again. The father's complaining about having like his, his shoulder, shoulders being sore. Things are starting to get a little weird, right? So then that's whenever uh, the, as we cut to the next day where Toby, this, this kid has no sense of boundaries, by the way. Did you notice this? He has no problem going to other people's property all the time. That's um, weird to me. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. So yeah. I, I, I feel like there's an open dialogue with his, his family and that to the point where it's like, yes, you can have conversations with people that you don't really know and like kind of get a, be- a, a better understanding with them. But to walk into the house, I don't know where that came from. Well, but even he the, did, like, totally yeah. went into his house. Well, the first time he went under the base, went under the, um, the one, under, the the, under the house. And if you look, it's real quick and you miss it. There's a bunch of like monster magazine stuff and different, he picks up, that's where he picks up the cross and the garlic as well. So it looks like him and his, his buddy that moved away, had like a little bit of a monster club thing going on underneath the house. Um, or like maybe it was under his floorboard. I forget. Cause either way he was looking out and then he saw, oh, Emil. It, was to- it was totally under, uh, Emil's house okay. at this point, yeah. which if the, if the property is sold, it's not his house anymore. Like it's not your, your, it's not your buddy's place. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, like maybe you don't go there. Right. But that's what he's looking out from underneath the porch and he sees Emil. Like we should say Emil is this older gentleman, like, like really old looking dude looks like uh Brooks from the Shawshank Redemption old, right? Like that's definitely the, like, yeah. that old, like yeah. probably in his seventies. Yeah. And he's like cleaning his, his old car. It's just like, you know, um, the forties or fifties, it's probably like a late forties vehicle. Yeah. Uh, and it's, um, you know, clearly this heavy Detroit steel and he's cleaning it. And then he looks to his left and right and he just lifts it up, like tilts, tips it upward to so he can clean underneath it. And like Toby's mind is blown, <laughs> you know, but I love the gag of, it's like this, this, this guy who says, I'm a vampire. Is there anybody around? I'm not bending over. I'm going to pick up my car and just clean underneath it. Um, but there, yeah. there, there's definitely a sense that he knows that he's there anyways. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, because like almost a moment later, he's like, Hey, uh, I know you're, I know you're under my house. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. what the hell, dude? Like, yeah. Cause, like, yeah, cause that's when Toby confronts him with the cross and the garlic. And, uh, yeah, Emil has some fun with him. He's like, Oh, maybe they do work or whatever. Right. Like, um, and then he was like, talked to him about like, um, He's like, this is what you get. He's like, uh, for reading that stuff, he's like, Twain won't fill your head with that garbage, which I, th- I like that uh, Emil keeps saying, maybe you should read different books. Maybe, you know, maybe that will help you. I thought that was funny as well. Well, yeah, because he keeps on reverting to Twain. And it's like, I, I don't necessarily think that Twain is a horror film guy or not horror film, but horror. like Oh, not at all. No, no, he's so I'm the, like, yeah. why was that the uh, constant? Well, like, because I no, because Twain's like one of the great American writers. And he's like, Hey, he's like, he's like, go read Mark Twain. Don't read this trash magazine. You know, that's basically his, you know, Emil was oh, telling okay. him like, you know, you could do better for yourself with your reading tastes is what he's saying, you know? So, um, but then eventually he was like, well, you know what, you know, you, you want, you want to want me to show you like that I can have garlic 
He was like, let's just go someplace. So they like, here it becomes one of like the biggest, weirdest things in this episode for me is they go to the restaurant and they're talking and he, and I love that the line um, where Toby's like, Hey, you're, you barely touched your food. And he's like, cause you know, basically he's implying cause of the garlic. And I like Emil's like, you know, if you ate anything at my age or basically he's like, you know, f- like, like I'm an old man, no matter what that like food's not like, it doesn't go well, no matter what, but I'll eat, I'll eat some pizza in front of you and show you that I'm not afraid of garlic. I thought that was kind of a, a funny back and forth with them. Um, but yeah, that's, but then a waiter comes over, he sneezes and, uh, Emil reveals a little bit about his life to, to Toby about how he never really settled down. Right. And kept traveling all over the world and didn't put down any roots. didn't have a family. And that's when he admits that um, he came back here to wherever the town is. I forget the name of it. Uh, to basically about his last days. And uh, how, mu- how yeah. much of you was hoping that they, he would start vomiting blood, like in uh, <laughs> the, what we, we do, do in the, the shadows? shadows. <laughs> like I'm talking like like fire hose and just knock that kid over, just like just out of his chair, <laughs> like Stanley Spadowski's Funhouse. Like from UHF, that would have been amazing. Um, <laughs> like the entire time, I was like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna eat the garlic, whatever," and it just start vomiting blood. Like, can we get some more vomiting of blood? Like, please. Yeah, my favorite part of that <laughs> gag for what we do in the shadows is after uh, the vampire gets back up and he's like, "Ooh," he's like, "It was pretty." Like, it's like nice garlic aftertaste. Basically, like he never got to try New York pizza before. He knew what he was getting into, and he's like, "Tasty," you know, <laughs> like. Whatever after after this fountain, this like fountain of blood comes out of him anyway. But that's that's not the weird thing here. Like, th- did you notice like after like uh Toby starts sneezing again and um and Emil's like, well, okay, let's get you home. And so did you see Toby like these are pretty big thick slices of pizza. He picks them up one by one and like like stacks them like I don't know, like I, I like books and puts them in the crook of his arm. What who in their right mind carries pizza like that? I, apparently children because I no, he didn't have the right frame of mind to be like, can I get a box for this, sir, please? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like just, I'm going to carry this on my pizza sleeve and take it out. Like, of here. Yeah. <laughs> pizza sleeve. I, I, I guess if I was concerned about like it getting thrown away, I was like, I'm going to take this home whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, uh, like I, it's just funny though. It's just like, I'm just like, that's a weird one. Cause it's like, I mean, that pizza must be like super cold or whatever by that point. But anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, so I mean, uh, if you keep it in the crook of your sleeve, maybe not, maybe not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he then, um, can't just keep going. He, he goes back over again. This is what he actually goes over to Mill's house. Like the next scene. And, uh, like he, he's just like, Oh, sir, are you home? No, oh, I'm going to go find that the key that was left that no one found, uh, hanging off the edge of the, you know, the porch. And he just is like, you know what? I'm just going to walk into somebody's house. No big deal. You know, like again, boundaries, and then he's surprised by all the the cool looking shit that he finds in there. Cause after Emil keeps admitting to him, like, you know, Hey, I'm a monster. I'm a vampire. I've been around for a long time. Like what, like what were you expecting in there? Like what other things were you expecting to find in there? Like he has a lot of st- neat stuff and then he finds blood. Like, wouldn't that be the thing you'd look for and be like verification and be like the least upsetting thing. But see the blood thing was really confusing to me because it didn't line up with the rest of like, what was going on storytelling wise with this? So I I don't know if you felt that confused as I am. Well, because later like, on, later on, Emil says like like whenever he goes for the midnight walk, he was like he was like, "Will you, friend, want to bite you and take your blood?" He's like he's like, "I don't have to do that anymore." So I think he figured out a system of how to avoid just you know attacking people because of that. 
some, uh, you know, um, Kolchak, the Night Stalker business. Right, going on. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that, too. Yeah. Like, maybe he's just robbing blood banks, you know. Yeah. So then um, he, he ends up uh, finding that. Go, so uh, Toby's scared, goes home, and then he's, like, you know, like, not feeling well. And his father's not feeling well. And, um, and, th- and then his father says something very racist that I'm not going to repeat here about um, what kind of flu and why it exists. That line did not age well at all. So anyway, um, especially, I mean, yes, it didn't age well. And then also in light of like what we've been going through the pandemic didn't age, oof, no, didn't go. None of that went well anyway. So um, yeah. yeah. So we'll yeah, get- it, not like it was our choice, but uh, take heed <laughs> like when, you, when you watch this one. Yeah. Um, the dad's usually a good guy, but you know, it's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that one, sir. Mr. Toby or whatever. Anyway, um, Mr. Mr. Michaels. Uh, so then you find out that everybody's feeling bad. And even he's like saying that like all his joints are sore and, uh, the mom thinks it's some kind of summer flu. And then she makes some kind of comment about how, like, she's like, it's acting more like an allergy than like a sickness. Um, Okay, so then we get um, Toby in his bedroom that night, and Emil just shows up at his window. He's like, "Hey, you know, um, you just want to go for a walk?" And Toby's like, "What? The, what the hell? You know, like, you know, you know, just don't just trust any old man that comes to your window at nighttime asking you to go for a walk." I think you know, like, what's the harm in that, Terry? I am asking you, what's the harm of random old people coming to your bedroom window on the second floor and saying, "Hey, we should go outside," right? Seems well, pretty- I think I, I think there was something very similar to this in the original series of twilight zone uh and connected to a clock like a, <laughs> a grandfather clock and like i don't know like i don't know about like people talking to people like at random times of the night that's true oh. yeah um oh i didn't even think about that i was thinking more like salem's lot like you know like uh hanging outside like, yeah, the window that too, yeah. yeah it's like don't yeah, yeah. um yeah it's, it's even like, if it is your your dead brother don't yeah trust it so, but I also like that Emil kind of like, it keeps subverting the trope, right? Of like, he's like, come on. Like, he's like, I'm not going to bite you and all this stuff. And he's like, you know, let's go walk at the nighttime. Uh, he's like, it's getting close, to, close to time to that time. Now it's a little time left and he's being a little cryptic and he convinces Toby to go with him to the graveyard, which is the only, um, area that has remained unchanged since he grew up there. Cause we were going to find out he's like, was well, it 137, 147 years old? Yeah. Sorry. At least. Cause he turned like whenever he's like, what it's some yeah. of the things are a little vague too. Yeah. How which is presented. Fine. Yeah. But he, they take him to the, the graveyard and they shows his, his grave, but the, it was empty because they, you know, he turned into this vampire and, you know, at that point he said that he left and he found out that he had to keep running. Um, but he, you know, like him, like you get this kind of sadness from Emil where he's like 147 years of moving. He's like, if I stay, you know, too long in one place, things go bad. And, uh, basically he was like, I have to keep moving. You know, if not like the real monsters come out and Toby's confused by this as well as everybody should be. Right. Um, especially the viewers. Yes. Uh, like, so like really, where do we start like boiling this down? Because like, so we get the sickness that is kind of falling upon the, the immediate neighbors. We get, Emil, who is kind of giving up on life, and then all of a sudden we we get this like setting storm in a sense, like the fog is rolling in. Yeah, and, well, so because he even explains it, he's like, uh, like it's almost like a um, an unknown um, natural allergen that humans have towards his kind, like a self defense mechanism. 
Um, and it's not, it's not explained very, very well, but you know, it's, it's explained just about as well as, uh, what was it? Uh, the burning, not the burning, the burning, burning man, the one that we saw, um, the, the Bradbury story from, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like that same thing where they get into like genetics and everything. Right. So it's yeah, not you know, the burning, cause not the burning. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, not, and not, not burning man. Well yeah. It's, but He's basically being like, you know, I figured out over time that like, if I stick around too long, like basically it's almost as if his kind is such, is such an like, uh, um, aberration. And, um, he's, he's basically like, he's like a virus. Right. And then, um, humanity is kind of like, it's the white blood cell system trying to chase him down and eliminate him because he's, he's the target. Right. Kind of. So, but as he's trying, but you get this notion that since he never had a family or anybody to talk to really, he's trying to impart some type of wisdom, some types of learnings onto Toby and then shows him, he's like, I got one, like one thing I want to show you. And he takes, picks up a, a tree branch and he swipes at the reeds nearby and it causes all these fireflies to come out. And he was like, he's like, when things get hazy, remember the good times. And I hope that you remember this. And it's actually kind of a sweet moment. I, I dug it. It I mean, is. The firefly effect's stupid, but yeah, everything else, it works pretty well. It is, and and I will say that um, if anybody knows, um, like kind of like, uh, like the I guess the the lake areas and that um, you'll see a lot of these different areas where fireflies and um, dragonflies exist. This was kind of a like a connection for me, mm-hmm. real quick that I really attached to. And I thought it was a beautiful moment for this kid to see something that maybe he would have never have known. Uh, my wife is, uh, she has a property, like like her family has a property over in the, the Sandusky area of Ohio. And there are fireflies that exist out there in droves. They're just all over the place. And it's such a magical thing. And I actually like really got like attached to this moment real quick. And I was like, man, it's such a beautiful moment between these two individuals that like came from different backgrounds. And that was kind of like a similar situation. And I I really, really enjoyed this moment real quick because it's like, you know, like seeing the kid who is scared kind of most of this uh, storyline. And then he sees uh, something that maybe like he wouldn't have expected Mm -hmm. from this transaction. Like I thought that was a really cool experience between the two. Yeah. I know that was a lot of words. No, 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 no. no, That was well put. Like I, like I agree. It's like, also you get the idea that, you know, Emil's never had the chance to have any like, like meaningful, like lasting relationship transactions. Yeah. yeah. And, and at the end here, cause he, he basically, he's calling his shot of like, well, I'm, I'm too tired. I've come home. Right. And so then uh, after that, we cut to um, the father and son lying on the couch. They're both miserable. Um, the father's like talking about how like all his joints are hurting and, and, and Toby's just sneezing and it's bad. And the mom comes in wearing a bathrobe and she feels miserable. So she's going to go take a bath and she gets a phone call. Uh, and as that's going on, it's a little after midnight. And then that's whenever Toby asked dad, he's like, what's midnight? And he was trying to explain to his dad's like the actual like, split between you know, darkness and dawn and the dad was answering low depends upon, you know, time of year. And he's like, with this being summertime, you know, like the nights are shorter. So, uh, basically he was like saying like, you know, it, it was like what, 12, 12, 12, 14 or something at the time on the clock, he was like, you know, the actual middle of the night would be like right now. 
And um, I'm going to let you go for here because this is the part that, um, like, you know, let's see, what was this, 80, 86? Uh, like, eight-year-old Paul lost his goddamn mind over uh, and freaked out. Well, and I'm glad that it was explained kind of in this way that – because, I mean, it kind of uh, brings to mind what is, like, the leap year and everything, too. Time changes relative to, like, where the moon is mm-hmm. and, like, how all of the things change – relative like to the sun and that so basically what it boils down to is midnight is not actual mid part of the night so it's what like 11 after 12 and then all of a sudden uh the mother and the father and toby start to feel like complete shit yeah and they start writhing around in pain and we start hearing noises in the night because we uh, we exit the house and now we're in the area around where uh, Emil's house is. Well, for, let me back up. Like whatever they're talking about, like she's talking to the um, talking to the husband about like so and so wants a water bottle, and then he sneezes. The dad sneezes, and like blood comes out, and they pause yeah. for a second, and then this this the, everybody st- like he starts hurting, she starts hurting, and she he's like Toby. Call call an ambulance, and he's under the blanket, like sc- like crying out in pain. And then we see the father, like his back, because he falls to the ground. His back starts like you know hunching and changing and bubbling and everything. And um, yeah, my mom Very much like a uh, uh, American Werewolf in <sighs> London. Yep, um, another movie that scarred me as a kid. Um, the, that was the point that like my mom was like, oh well. I couldn't go, I couldn't go back. I wouldn't go to sleep that night. And she, she blamed it on me having like chocolate or something. I'm like, no, it was this part of this, the show. It just ruined me as a little kid. Uh, but yeah, um, just uh, people might watch this now. I'm like, Oh, that's it. I don't know. Be eight years old and not see it coming. You know, <laughs> you know, like it just, it scared the living shit out of me. Uh, so, but we cut to a meal in his house wearing like this fancy, like smoking jacket. Right. And just being like, I'm, you know, I'm going to let all the fog in. I'm going to make it look like, you know, a 1970s, like Halloween special in here, TV special has his favorite drink, like a, like wine or whatever. And he knows, he knows what he's letting in. Cause then we see, um, the street filled with people, sorry, not people, monsters, right. Going towards his house. And I wrote my notes here. Um, what was it? Um, the, the, there are no longer, the monsters are no longer doing Maple street. They're there. Like they're, they're on time. And they're going to to Emil's house just to to destroy him, and I think it's a very I think it's a very effective sequence. Very much so, and I actually thought about that um, original episode as well because he is understanding that he is the monster, mm-hmm. but the monsters are also coming for him. So there is a, there are some parallels here that we can uh, really think about and like. Uh, figure that maybe how we look at this episode and like kind of like extrapolate from it. Yeah. Like I, mean, I really, I actually thought I found this episode really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Cause Emil comes across as very sympathetic, but yeah. just because he's sympathetic now doesn't mean that for the 147 years, he hasn't hurt people, you know? Right, exactly. Like, and, um, and like the, the fact that he uh, confides in toad, a uh, Toby and like, really kind of gives him an understanding of like, here I am. And these are my last days. I'm kind of giving up now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kind of 
lay it all out on the line for you. And then whenever he even admits to like things getting hazy, which we'll talk about in a second, but there, there's, there's kind of a sad knowledge there in hindsight of what he was really telling Toby. But so then, yeah, um, the next morning, um, uh, the, the, the authorities are there. They're wheeling out, uh, the dead body of a meal. And like, there's reporters around. Everyone's like, Oh wow. Like it was a Toby's family and the neighbors are all like, what, how could this happen in our neighborhood? Like, you know, maybe, maybe in the cities, you know, whatever. But it's like, everyone's like, oh, it's such an old man, you know, it shouldn't happen to him. And then the mom's like, well, Toby was the one to kind of know him. And, and everybody else is like, oh, we really didn't know him. And everyone else is like, also, yeah, this is, it's been, it's been a bit of a day. Um, all of us are tired and we won't, we don't understand why. Because <laughs> they, they stopped being monsters and went home and then somehow put on new clothes and went to bed, I think is what happened. Right. How do you, how do you go from that to be like, oh, I tore out of my clothes. I was a monster. I'm going to um, unknowingly put on new clothes and not question the clothes I had on last night, whatever. Anyway. It, yeah. It, it's not really explained well yeah. in the fact that it's like, so they became monsters for the night just to hunt down Emil and just like kill him. I don't, that was a part that was very confusing to me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they just become like these uh, ravenous monsters or, you know, werewolves or whatever, just to hunt him down. I, I wasn't sure about that. Yeah. But I mean, once the affection's gone, maybe that's, you know, the allergy or the, once the allergic response is gone, they turn back, whatever. I don't know. Um, very much a hand wave of the twilight zone. But then, um, we start to get like this kind of like, uh, the Stephen King thing where now that the evil is gone, people don't, people are not going to remember it kind of like the it thing, right? Like, Oh, you're going to have hazy recollections of this, but you're not going to really recall it. And then Toby was trying his best to remember Emil's face, but then he, he recalls the fireflies and he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, I remember now. So that was kind of a nice moment. But then uh, we get to the part of this that I did not remember at all. Uh, we get to what I think is like the, the hammer of this episode, right? Uh, we get, uh, we get Toby bringing his father to the graveyard to show him the fireflies and his father's like, yeah, this is great. And Toby's like, yeah, he's like, uh, Emil told me like, you know, there's nothing out there we should be afraid of. And the father's like, you know, enjoying the moment. And then the father sneezes. And then Toby has this look of like, oh no. And that's the end of your segment. My God, what, what an ending. Yeah. It is kind of like, where does it go from here? Like, is there another one? Like, is, 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 is Toby it now? Is he going to now right. be on the run? You know, like, right. Um, and it's just like, is he safe? Is he, you know, like, it's just this, um, my God, I'm going to, I'm going to stop talking and let you talk about your feelings about this. Because once I realized this was the segment I was going to be watching again, uh, eight year old me was like, no. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like grown up me. I'm like, I can get through it. And then both of us at the end are like, I don't know about that. <laughs> so, what, what were your feelings about this segment? I, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, there was a lot to attach myself to, um, especially when it started talking about the horror film connections and like where Toby really has like this understanding of what monsters are. And, but then when he's finally faced with Emil and like what a real monster is, he is, he's not only scared, but like, he's caught off guard because he doesn't know how to react to it. Mm-hmm. So, like there is a lot to kind of unfold towards this and how the rest of the storyline plays out. So like when we get to the outcome, like the final moments of this episode, 
it, it really boils down to like, where do you take away um, what Toby is supposed to be feeling and like what's going on in the rest of like where, like where it really kind of goes mm-hmm. otherwise. Like I'm like, I, I'm kind of confused on it. Like, is it, is this the underlying thing? It's like, is Toby a monster now? Like I'm really confused. I'm conflicted on my feelings towards that. Well, that's what, so. like, yeah, I mean, I don't, like, I, I think that they're leaving it, you know, vague on purpose, which vague. I mean, yeah, of course, I, mean, yeah. I know, you know, that's not like that they surprised, but I, you know, the idea that this kid finally has a connection with somebody and that person's gone. And then finally he feels like he, you know, he knows something. And then his relationships are more, might be taken away because he might have to run. You know, he might become he's a Hugu. Yeah, yeah. he's a, he, <laughs> a, a Hugu or whatever it was from the Monster Club, right? Yeah, Hugu. yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, it's just it. There's a lot here. Um, I, from I, I mean, I am biased because whatever that initial shock of the the sneezing of blood and then the dad starting to change, like they, that, just I can't I can't quantify to you as a little kid how much my brain turned inside out. <laughs> with that segment. Um, and remember this was being aired like eight o'clock on, um, what was it? Um, like Friday nights or something. Like it was, they moved the, the, the time frame down. We talked about that during night crawlers. This was supposed to be a, like a 10 PM ep, you know, segment. Right. And it wasn't. And my mom, you know, she didn't know it was coming, especially based upon some of the stuff we've seen recently, the twilight zone. Why, why would you expect this one to be the one that's going to like, you know, mess up your kid? You know, you know um, well, and I yeah. think there's a different uh, kind of point of view that happens when you attach yourself to oh, yeah. the child. Like what the, here is the narrative. Like I think some of the most traumatizing films of all time are actually where children are the focus of the storyline. I mean, here we go. Our main character, Toby, was in Poltergeist, one of the most traumatizing films of all damn time. That one, for that children. one messes me up too. With this, yeah, no, that was another one. I've I do not it's, like. Yeah, this, the the it, clown. It, the, the, it, yeah, trees. Yeah, I don't but, trust trees now. I don't trust any tree. I have no. I, you shouldn't. I have, I have I have three of them in my backyard. I don't trust any of them. And, uh, and yeah. mushrooms. Yeah, and yes, I agree. That's, that's <laughs> no. Um, I don't trust that, and I don't trust. Uh, and then based upon a poltergeist too, I don't trust uh, tequila worms. That's the things I don't trust. Um, so, and also, um, uh, weird religious guys knocking your door, asking questions Th- that's, you know, the list could go on, but, um, no, I just, um, I like watching this a couple of times going through catching audio and, you know, doing the images and stuff. This one, like this one really shot up the list for me in terms of the one so far for the season that I've really enjoyed one, just because it imprinted on me as a kid. So I knew it was going to bother me, but, and it was nice to revisit it, but two, there's more going on under the hood for this, that there's more worthy of like um, discussion and thinking about that. I don't know if we've gotten in a lot of these segments and this is kind of just like, I'm not like, I'm not going to put this as parallel to like night crawlers, but these are the kind of things I was hoping that we get more out of this series where we get more of like a little bit more sophisticated uh, storytelling ideas. Right. Um, it's just, th- yeah, this one, I think this one has a, uh, has a lot going on for it. And I, you know, again, if people have not seen it, I know we just kind of ruined it, but I still go back and like, go and watch it there. This is, this is, um, I think this is one of the stronger segments so far of this first season. I don't know. I I can't really say that it will be one of the stronger ones for me so far. Uh, I think there were some probably stronger ones, Mm -hmm. but there is a lot to extrapolate from this episode. And especially if you're a horror film fan, there's a lot to attach to. And I think it's really an interesting story, but, um, 
we're going to see where this goes for me on the list and like how it like mm-hmm. goes up and down of that list. Fair enough. So, all right. Um, uh, any other notes where we uh, get to that twist? Uh, do, 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 do. Let me double check just to make sure I had anything else, sir. Nope. No, we covered everything. All right. Perfect. So let's just read that twist. Uh, twist rating is always is one through five, meaning one we saw coming from a mile away and five meaning mind blowing. Um, I'm, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put this one to you first, Terry, where you think the twist is. Cause I, I know how I feel about everything, but since this is your first time view, where were you like, what do you, what's your twist rating? If I had to say, I'm going to probably rate it a two because I know like with the title, like monsters, it's going to get a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that the child is left kind of like holding the bag, I guess that's a two. Like, you know, he, he knew like throughout the storyline that the, that the monster being, uh, the main character, like, well, was it Phelps or what, what the hell was the name again? Emil. Emil. Yeah. yeah. Um, that he was kind of giving up somehow that was going to transfer over like i feel like that was a transference you know mm-hmm. so i'm gonna give it a two all right so because i already knew that monsters were going to happen i can't i can't read that twist because you know little me would give it one million right like i'm i just i'm just wondering if i went like running down the hallway or something after that or if i just kind of like my mom's looked at me and was like yep that's bad <laughs> you know? like i don't know but the twist i'm gonna give I, for, I I completely forgot about um, the potential that like because I love the the ambiguous ending of the father sneezing and then Toby being like oh crap I'm gonna give that a four because I kind of like my ambiguously like hanging dark endings and I I didn't see that part coming like I I thought that was uh, solid I thought the big thing was just the monsters happening not that the story had a little bit more to it at the end nice I I guess you read into it a little bit further than I did. Um, this felt like a little bit more surface level to me mm-hmm. and I'm glad that you found something more. Like, yeah. I mean, that's a, a, one of the most wonderful things about, uh, our discussions between, you know, like what we see and how we converse on all of these things. Like, that's really, really cool that you found that. Well, yeah. And I just, I, I, you know, just because we've known each other for quite a long time, I, I just had half expectation that half expected you to come in like almost on the same page with me. And that's not, that's not a, a negative. I just, I think that's interesting that, you know, that, that is this conversation, right? And people listening, like it, that's the kind of like, you know, um, maybe opening day is your favorite segment of the twilight zone. If it is, I don't understand where you're coming from, but maybe it is right. But, um, you know, like I, this one, I thought you and I were going to be a little bit more aligned and that that's, you know, that's awesome that we could have a little bit of a, a different viewpoint because if we agreed on every single thing, I don't know if that'd be a really fun talk, you know? So, it, yeah. And, 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 and we reach out to you folks. Yes. Uh, if you thought this was like one way or the other, if you align yourself with Paul, or if you align yourself with me, which is the right opinion, um, you let us know. Like, uh, this is, I mean, it's always a great conversation between Paul and I, but we want to have even more in uh, like thought provoking conversations with you. So like, what did you feel about this? Like, I really, really want to know what people feel like where this like kind of like align with them and like where their opinions are. Yeah, absolutely. So that will actually, um, 
uh, pivot us into how they can do that. So you guys can find us, uh, you know, on um, Facebook where uh, Strange Highways there. I'm always posting interesting stuff. Uh, you, you know, wherever you find your uh, podcast, uh, rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. You can email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can, you know, write to me and be like, Paul, your eight year old self was a little wuss. And I'll, I'll, I will probably agree <laughs> with that. You know, that's fine. Uh, and it'll be like, Paul, your 44-year-old self is a wuss. I'll agree with that as well. But yeah, um, again, we always enjoy the conversation. Um, the more the merrier. And Terry, where can people find us otherwise? We are still on Instagram. Check us out. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, come over to Instagram and check us out. I, I know a lot of people are not really doing the uh, the Twitter thing so much anymore. Uh you know, it, it is why is too, that? I'm kidding. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2023. Uh, maybe some people are dropping that uh, that Twitter, but uh, yeah, check us out on Instagram, and uh, maybe you will catch some fun photos. I, I like the idea you say 2023. So like, th- there's the idea that maybe in the next like weeks and months, Twitter will be no longer a thing, and it'll just be talked about. You know, in past sense, I mean, past tense. I mean, you never know, dude. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's possible, right? So, um, anyway, so yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, everybody have a good week, have a safe week. Uh, next episode we're getting into is um, season one, episode 15, segment B A Small Talent for War. Um, that will be a conversation. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's going to be a little different conversation than, than about this segment. I can I can guarantee you that. So, yeah. Uh, like I said, in the meantime, have a good week. Um, and also, um, don't hold pizza like that, you monster. And don't break into old men's old houses and F around to find out. Mom, he's creepy. He scared me. He said, he said boo.